Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 213. I'm Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor, a former emergency room nurse, a veteran healthcare provider, and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of the vitality, the longevity, and the vigor that life has offered them. This is for women that know that life is a gift and they're not ready to start the downward spiral of disease. When they get a diagnosis like diabetes or prediabetes, they see this as a warning shot. This podcast is for badass women who have mastered hard things in their life already and can't seem to master chocolate cake. If that sounds like you, let's talk. Today, we are gonna talk about some questions that I've had. One came from a Facebook post. So if you're not already um, a member or following me on Facebook, follow me on at DelaneMD on Facebook, or you can follow me at DelaneMD on Instagram. Um, but there's also a Facebook group. It's called DelaneMD Reversing Diabetes. You can go and join that group. And there's a lot of helpful information in that group, a lot of helpful people, people working on reversing their diabetes. So I think that's really helpful. It's a fun group to be a part of. Go join that. But the question I got was posted. Um, it was a response to something I posted on Facebook. So um, we're going to go through that. That's going to be a brief discussion. The bigger discussion that we're going to have is really about which diet is the right diet. This is another question that I get. I get it on, I get it in the group a lot. I get it from clients a lot. They say plant-based, they say keto. What am I supposed to do? How much fat is too fat, too much fat? And it keeps us very confused, not knowing what to do. So um, we're going to talk about that today. Which diet is the right diet? <clears throat> Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you are on medications, you have been medicated for the way that you have eaten. That's why we, as physicians, have started you on medications. You have been medicated for the way that you have eaten. If you change the way that you're eating, you are going to need to change the medications that you're on. If you don't change the medications that you're on, you could get very, very sick making these dietary changes. So I want you to be aware of that. I want to offer you that warning. And I want you to have, really, I want you to call your doctor and have a very open conversation with your doctor about what you intend to do so that they can give you a way that they want you to share your blood sugar logs with them so that they can start to guide you on how to come off of your medications, which is the goal here, right? So, but I need you to be very careful and I need you to open up a very clear line of communication with the medical provider who's giving you these medications and work on how you're going to talk with them. Some doctors want you to email, some doctors want you to call and talk to their nurse, some doctors want you to come in for visits. Whatever it might be, you're gonna to need to get a clear direction in that from your provider so that you can stay safe and not end up really sick with this. So lastly, again, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, rate the podcast. The more people that rate this podcast, the more people see this podcast. That's how the algorithms work. So rate it, review it. That helps other people get the same help that you're getting. Lastly, follow me or uh, come and join the D Delane MD Reversing Diabetes Facebook group also. And then before we get started, I want you to understand that there is help. If you are a woman with type 2 diabetes and you're worried and you're frustrated and you're confused about why you can't seem to fix it, there is help. 
set up a diabetes reversal assessment call. These are 45 minute calls where you and I discuss your specific obstacles to reversing your type two diabetes. By the end of the call, you'll know what your biggest obstacle is and why you haven't been able to overcome it. If you're interested, we can talk about how we work together, what it looks like to get the help that you need. Some of that help is individual help. And then there is a group um, there are group meetings that my clients come to also. So if you're wanting to figure out why you can't get this done, set up a reversal assessment call because that's where you're going to be able to identify the obstacle. What you're going to tell me is like chocolate cake is my obstacle and that is not the obstacle. We're going to be able to identify what really truly the obstacle is and then why you haven't been able to overcome it. Okay, so let's talk about this question. So this question, the question that I posed on social media was share with me what your biggest obstacle is for reversing your type 2 diabetes. And one of the responses I got, and this is something that I see a lot, that my biggest obstacle is that when I'm stressed or when I'm struggling with an illness, I eat what makes me feel better. And it's usually something full of sugar and carbs. And this is very common. It's very common that, I mean, this is a well-known uh, researched and documented experience. When we're tired, we tend to turn to foods that are salt, high in salt and high in fat, okay? When we are sick, we tend to feel better when we eat foods that cause dopamine to be released in our brain and make us get a buzz from that dopamine. When we're stressed, we dampen down, we kind of pad down the stress by adding carbs, which give us dopamine hits. This is very, very common. Now, there is an element that sometimes we feel nauseated and that certain foods kind of help quell. Ice cream for me was a big one. Ice cream and cereal were the big ones for me that would really help quell my nausea, okay? So that is, there is some physiology that we get accustomed to but the biggest issue here is that our brain is telling us eat the food so that the stressor goes away eat the food so the we feel better and that's the only message we hear is eat the food and it makes tons of sense that we want to feel better okay when we talk about stress do we want to feel better is a question we probably need to be asking ourselves when we're talking about illness is this food really making me less ill or is it just covering up something that's happening? Is the food making me less stressed or is it just covering up something that's happening? That's really the question at hand. I always question the feelings that I'm having that I think I want to run from or that I want them to go away. So if I'm feeling sad or angry or disappointed or stressed or frustrated, the question that I ask myself anymore is not, how do I make it go away? But do I want to have this feeling? Because if you're having a feeling that you really want to have, then there's no amount of food that makes that go away. And nor do you want to make it go away. I always use the example of when my son was deployed and he was overseas and I didn't know whether he was well, whenever we were pulling everybody out of Kabul and then there was a large news report that we lost five service members over there in that effort and my son was there and I didn't know whether he was safe because also I can't get a hold of him because he's deployed, right? And there's not as much communication that we have available. So there was a time, there's like a five, seven day period where I didn't know if my son was part of that. And as we started to release more information, I found out that it was a Marine um, 
platoon. It was a, a group of Marines that had been under attack in the city. And that my, my son was no longer a Marine. He was, he's a soldier now in the army. So it was unlikely to be him, but there was a period of time where it was very hard to listen to anything on the radio, because even if I listened to just music, there would be a news report that would come on and it would have the story. And it was, I would cry and it was very stressful. It was just an incredibly stressful experience. And so of course my brain offered me like, let's eat chocolate. Let's get a bag of chocolate and kill that. Let's do it. Absolutely. My brain offered me that. That is the way the brain works. My brain just wants to help me out and help me feel better. And as much as I appreciate that, it did not, but in long term, that was not what I wanted. So instead, what I did was I scheduled about two hours a day where I could sit on the couch and I would have a fluffy, fuzzy blanket with me and I would wrap myself up in that feel goodness of that blanket and I would cry and I would stress and I would worry and I'd cry some more and I'd get anxious and then I'd cry some more and then I'd worry and then I'd cry some more. And I just spent two hours. I gave myself permission to have two hours of that feeling because the fact of the matter was I didn't want to feel good about what was happening. I didn't want to think that, oh, it's all okay. Nothing's going to be wrong. That did not feel aligned or authentic to me. I wanted to feel those feelings. And so I just gave myself space to feel those feelings. And in doing that, I could kind of keep my poop in a group whenever I was out doing things and couldn't be crying. I had given myself space to experience the emotion that I didn't need to let it manifest itself all day, every day. And that I was able to have a space to manifest that emotion and to feel that emotion in its entirety and not push it away. So that's one of the biggest questions to ask yourself when you're stressed. Is this something I want to be stressed about? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, then why are we eating it away? Why is there the need to suppress or push that emotion away if it's an emotion that you truly want to be having? And so that's always the first question I ask. If the answer is no, that you don't want to have the emotion, then eating is not the solution. Figuring out why you're having the emotion, that's the solution. That's the part that you, that's the puzzle you need to solve. It is not the food. Okay. It's the same thing when you're feeling poorly, when you're feeling sick, when you have nausea and you're like, oh, for me, it would be, I would eat ice cream. Like, let's go get some ice cream. I don't feel well. Ice cream will help. Ice cream helps everything in my book. Right. And there, that is not, that's a physiologic feeling sometimes. And sometimes we just have nausea. We believe that we can eat the food and that we can eliminate the experience of the emotion or the feeling, the physiologic feeling. But what I want to offer you is you just buy different physiological consequences down the road. Like, oh, I feel nauseated now. I'm going to eat ice cream. And in 10 years, I'm not going to be able to feel my feet because I'm eating too much ice cream, right? My feet are going to burn. I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to have a stroke. You're buying some biology down in the future that you're not really interested in purchasing is really what it comes down to. So do I want to manage my nausea in this moment with ice cream? Or maybe will a cold glass of water, will ice chips work? Will um, cold bubbly water, fizzy water work. What other things might work? Because the cost benefit that I'm doing here, like the return on investment for taking the ice cream is not really what I'm looking for. So I think there is some question that has to happen there. I also think that we have to realize that we are frequently getting or reaching for something that gives us an instant gratification at the expense of much longer term goals. When we look at 
you know, when people talk about instant gratification and kind of indulging in instant gratifications at the expense of our longer term goals. When we measure, when you actually try to give a objective value to the instant gratification versus the longer term goals, almost always the longer term goals have a higher objective value. And what I mean by that is eating the ice cream has the objective value of I'm going to eat ice cream. It's going to be sweet. I'm going to feel good in this moment. I've eaten ice cream a million times. I know that it tastes this way. I know what it's like. The longer term objective value is long term health at the expense of this immediate instant gratification. And that long term health gives you objectively like more years of life, less medications, less doctor's visits, less money spent in that, less discomfort associated with it. When you look at the objective value associated with the longer term goals versus the instant gratification, the objective value associated with the longer term thing that you want is far higher than the objective value associated with the ice cream that you've had a million times. It's not like there's anything special there. You know what it tastes like. You know what it's going to do. It's just that the promise of feeling good in the moment is so powerful. And this is probably something archaic. 10,000 years ago, we weren't promised tomorrow. So to feel better in the moment just made more sense because who knew if you were going to be alive tomorrow? Today, definitely we're going to be alive. Like more than likely, we're going to be alive tomorrow. Not everybody, and I get that we're not all promised tomorrow, but if we don't start banking on the fact that we're alive tomorrow, we are going to probably cut years off of our lives from that mentality, right? So recognizing that part of the reason that we reach for instant gratifications when we're feeling physically ill is because we want that immediate feel-goodness and we are doing it at the expense of those longer term goals and allowing ourselves to see that that's what's actually happening in the moment, I think is part of the answer. You have to acknowledge and bring the reality. Like you have to tell yourself both sides of the story. Like I'm going to feel better at the expense of something I want longer term versus what typically happens is I just want to feel better and this is going to help. And we don't even address the other side of the story. So for the, uh, social media post. The person who posted that, I don't know if they're going to listen to this podcast, but this is a much deeper answer than what I gave in the paragraph on social media that I respond, responded to. Um, and part of it was I could just talk it out here versus typing it all out. But do understand that like, it's not, there's nothing wrong with us that we want to feel better. Like that is just of course, all the humans, my brain just wants me to feel better. And isn't that very sweet? Kind of like a child running around, mama, I just want you to feel better. And you can appreciate that. But the way that my daughter said this to me the other day, she's like, mom, just skip your workout in the morning. And I'm like, I don't skip workouts. Like we don't do that. My daughter just wanted to make my life easier. She wasn't trying to undermine any of my goals. She just wanted to make my life easier. That's very nice but I don't handle it that way, right? Like I need to find some other way to manipulate my schedule to get the things that I need to get done, done. So first off, cut yourself some slack when your brain's offering you this easy access to make life easier. It's just trying to be nice. But you, as the watchful mother, as the primitive brain, as the person who weighs pros and cons, we have to make a decision that may not be 
first feel good. It may be like we're going to feel good long term in the future. Maybe not right now, though. Okay. So um, be patient with yourself. Sometimes the answer that we give as coaches is like, well, yeah, you're, you know, you're going to feel better, but like you're also not going to feel great. And so the realization that there is a simple answer that isn't always helpful. And there is this deeper answer that really I think folks need to dive into. One, what feeling? And if I'm feeling stressed, is that something I want to feel? And if I don't want to feel it, there's not a fix in the food. There is a fix in why I'm feeling the stress. That's where coaching comes in. Two, if I'm feeling ill and I want to feel better in the moment, of course I want to feel better in the moment. But do I want to feel better in the moment at the expense of my long-term health goals? That's the second question to ask yourself. So I hope that was helpful. Certainly, if ever anybody has any questions, you can always email me, Delane at DelaneMD, or you can always, again, get on social media and access me there, and I'm happy to answer any questions. So let's move into which diet is the right diet, because this is another question that I get a lot on social media. And not just what diet is the right diet, but I hear different things from everybody and I just don't know what to do. It's not a real, I'm seeking information about what diet is the right diet. I mean, like that may be part of it, not that one's real or not real, but a lot of times what's below this is confusion and frustration because I can't get a straight answer from somebody about what I need to do. And it's so frustrating because like a lot of these women are like totally willing to do whatever they need to do. Like, just tell me what I need to do but we can't get a straight answer on what we need to do. And it's so incredibly frustrating. So I want to talk about that today. So which diet, plant-based, keto, low-fat, Whole30, paleo, Mediterranean? So many different diets out there. Many, many others that I'm probably not even mentioning, latest and greatest fad diets out there. Many of these are fad diets and the recognition that like even I think that maybe two or three years ago, the way that I pro promoted reversing diabetes was faddish a little bit like, you know, keto bandwagon. And I don't think that I ever really heavily promoted keto. I definitely promote low carb, but I think it can be even simpler than that. So which diet? Remember that the goal for reversing type 2 diabetes is that you must lower your insulin level in your body so that you can improve your insulin sensitivity and reverse the insulin resistance. Type 2 diabetes is insulin resistance, okay? The opposite of insulin resistance is insulin sensitivity, and that's what we're trying to promote is our cells being sensitive again to insulin, okay? So insulin resistance develops when you're exposed to high concentrations of insulin over a prolonged period of time. Yes, some of this on subtle levels can happen in hours, but more when I'm talking about a prolonged period of time, we're talking about years and decades that you've been overexposing your cells to insulin to the point that they no longer respond. They no longer function appropriately in the presence of insulin. Okay. So insulin is trying to give a message to your cells. It's kind of like if I, I use the um, example of being in a rock concert and, and when we hear like our hearing and sound is trying to give our brain a message. Okay. When we're overexposed to noise, which is the message carrier, right? When we're overexposed to noise, say in a rock concert, our ears no longer work so well and they don't sensitively hear that message that might be whispered from somebody next to me. So I go to a rock concert, I come out of it, we go to Denny's and have breakfast. Like this was something I did in college, I feel like a lot. Okay. And 
Now our friends are talking across the table in a typical tone or a typical volume of voice, and I can't hear them because I was just at a rock concert and my ears aren't working correctly, right? So what happens then when my ears aren't hearing the message correctly, what happens when our cells aren't getting the message from insulin sensitively and correctly is that we make more of the message, right? Like my friends have to talk louder to overcome the resistance of my hearing apparatus and my ears, okay? Your pancreas has to make more insulin to overcome the cells being resistant to insulin, okay? So that they can get the message to the cells and the cells start to do what they're supposed to do in the presence of insulin, okay? The answer to my rock concert ears is not to add more noise. That is gonna permanently damage my ears. It's not that I should go and be around people with megaphones all the time. The answer to my rock concert ears is that I go home in my quiet room and I go to bed and I am in silence. I'm not exposed to noise at all. I limit the exposure, exposure that my ears have to noise. And then when I wake up in the morning, my ears are working fine, right? It's the same thing with the insulin resistance. Exposing yourselves to more insulin is not the answer. It will make it worse. Limiting the cellular exposure, limiting the amount of insulin that your cells are exposed to so that your cells can become sensitive again, kind of like my ears worked in the morning, your cells can become sensitive again to the message that insulin is trying to tell them that is the answer to type two diabetes. That is the answer to insulin resistance, okay? So that's what we are trying to do with any diet that you are going to use to reverse type two diabetes. That is the whole mark that needs to be worked on, okay? Many of these diets, plant-based, keto, paleo, low-fat, Whole30, Mediterranean, many of these diets can do it, okay? There's not only one diet that will do that. Which one is right for you? It's going to involve you trying things out and seeing how it goes. That's the only way that you're going to know. Your enzymatic, your nutritional enzymatic environment in your body is unique to you. It's unique based on your hereditary way, like what you inherited from your ancestors. Okay. How are you going to know that? You're going to know it by trying it out. Okay. What you will stick to is another big thing, right? If you're not going to stick to it, it's not a diet that's going to work for you. Period. End of sentence. Okay. So I would offer, it's not so much which diet you follow that makes the difference. The thing that you have to do that you must do. Listen, if y'all are back, if y'all are shopping for shoes, come back to me. The thing that you must do is you must avoid highly refined and processed foods. That is the hallmark of any diet that is going to reverse insulin resistance, that is going to reverse your type 2 diabetes, is avoiding highly refined and processed foods. These foods, one, cause huge insulin surges in your body. Two, if you eat them all day long or drink them all day long, you are constantly giving yourself an exposure to sugars that cause your body to constantly produce insulin. You get that prolonged time frame. You get a high concentration. These foods lead to type 2 diabetes, period, end of sentence. Okay. In addition, 
to them leading to type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance, they are also causing, they are hijacking your brain so that you want them all the time. That is why it is so hard for you to walk away from the M&Ms for me, right? That is why I just could not seem to figure out how to stop eating them because they are made in a way that makes my brain want them all day long. And I did because they were delicious. Okay. There is no place in nature that our biology, our mouths, our taste buds get exposed to these types of food that doesn't happen naturally. Okay. Even honey, which doesn't, is not as palatable as some of these processed foods. Even honey, we don't get exposed to it all the time, number one. And number two, honey's guarded by little stinging insects. We can't get to it all the time. Like, it's just not available to us all the time. These foods are not natural to the human being, which means we've never had to develop a way to control biologically not overeating them, which means we are just driven to overeat and overindulge and get more and there's never enough okay so recognize that you must you really must cut this food out this food there's not lots of dietitians and nutritionists and diet programs will try to tell you that some's okay a little bit is healthy you don't want to deprive yourself and i want to offer to you that 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 is not true and it's clearly not true because that's why People can't fix it when they have that mentality. I look at these foods the same way I do cigarettes. I can smoke. I've not smoked. I mean, like, I think I've had maybe like three cigarettes in my entire life. I've, I've never been a smoker. I grew up with smokers. It wasn't that appealing to me. I tried it. I threw up. I'm pretty sure it was actually due to the, like, bologna sandwich I ate, but I blamed it on the cigarettes and it just wasn't my thing. Fine. There is no, I could smoke a cigarette. I could smoke one cigarette and I don't think that I would get lung cancer. It would be unlikely that I would de develop like um, lung cancer or uh, COPD from a single cigarette. That's just not likely, okay? Maybe it would, but it's very unlikely that that would happen. But there is no alternate universe where somebody would tell you, <laughs> or I would tell you that a single cigarette is a healthy choice. Like one's okay. You don't want to deprive yourself. Nobody would say that with cigarettes. So the recognition that this food is similar to the cigarettes, like there is not one amount that's okay. There's not a, like one is not healthy. It's not like one piece of cake is healthy. It's never healthy. It's just that it may not cause disease. Like one cigarette won't cause disease in me. It doesn't make one cigarette healthy for me. Okay. So the thing that really must be done, it's not so much which diet I need to follow. The thing that really must be done is you really must cut processed foods and refined foods from your diet. Okay. So what am I talking about? Let's start with drinks. And I mean, you really like water is really the one thing that like, okay, that's safe. Always safe. Water is always safe. Okay. I always say the drinks. Yes, all of them. And I'm just kidding. Coffee's probably fine. Unsweetened tea is probably fine. Okay. But juices, no, it's a huge surge. It's a concentrated surge, even natural fruit juice that you juice on your own at home. You are taking multiple pieces of fruit. 
and you are concentrating all of the sugar from the fruit and you are leaving all of the fiber from the fruit, okay? No, juices are not okay. Sports drinks, no. Diet sodas, no. Sodas, certainly not. If it tastes sugary, it's probably something you need to break up with. It is probably adding to the problem. I have yet to find something that tastes sweet and is not adding to the problem. Okay. If you think you have found that one magic potion, send me a message. I'm dying to hear about it. I want to know about it, but I've yet to find anything that tastes sweet and is not creating the problem or worsening the problem. Junk food is an obvious no. Everybody knows junk food is an obvious no. Cake, cookies, candies, chips, corn chips, sun chips, potato chips, Doritos, Fritos, Cheetos, all the O's, like all of those things are going to be a problem. And you know that. You don't need me to tell you that junk food's a problem. It's called junk for Christ's sake. We're like, we know that's an issue, okay? But some are less obvious. Cereals. Like, yes, I'm talking about Cheerios, and I know they have a heart to tell you that they're heart healthy. They aren't. Cereals. Oatmeals. Same thing. Pop-Tarts are just candy. Breads. Rolls. Muffins. Granola bars. Protein bars. Rices. Potatoes. All of these are foods that are going to cause huge surges of insulin and cause you to continue to be insulin resistant. Okay, so they all have to go. So any diet that has granola bars on it is not gonna fix your diabetes, period, end of sentence, it's just not, okay? The crazy science that they do to some of those Atkin bars, it still will cause a surge of insulin to be produced. It can still be a problem, so just stay away from them. They're expensive. They have all sorts of non-food additives. I call those chemicals. You can call them non-food additives if you want. They have all sorts of things that actually will worsen your type 2 diabetes. So those are things that need to go. Some women have to avoid certain vegetables. Corn is a big one. But like some women can't, it's just too starchy and it shoots your sugars up. Some women have to avoid certain fruits. Watermelon is a big one. Pineapples, apples, oranges, cherries, all of these sometimes will, grapes will pop your blood sugars off. And if they do that, that response by your body is to produce a ton of insulin to bring it down. And that's the part that we're trying to avoid. We can't have that insulin surge. And there's no way for you to measure an insulin surge. So you really have to do it um, surrogately, like a by proxy with your blood sugar. You have to keep those blood sugars low. Okay. Remember my basic philosophy is always staying away from food that's in boxes, bags, or wrappers. We should be eating food that comes from the earth. We are animals of the earth. And just like every other animal on the earth, we should be eating foods that come from the earth. We are the only animal that's not doing this. Squirrels do not complain about acorns and ask for pizza at night. And deer does not get bored with grass and ask for Chinese food. We're the animals that say, I see your red bull, or I see your lettuce and tomatoes and your cucumbers, and I'm going to eat Red Bulls and Doritos instead. That is the part that gets us into trouble. Those are foods that make us sick. If squirrels were eating anything other than acorns, they would get sick too. Do they steal a peanut butter and jelly from the occasional picnic basket? Absolutely. Do they die? No. Does it make their brain feel fabulous? Likely. But if they ate it every day, they would get sick too. Same thing with the deer. Poor koalas can only eat eucalyptus leaves, like species of eucalyptus. That's all they can eat. Anything else makes them sick. Think about the effort that goes into making a diet for our zoo animals that won't make them sick. And why? It's because 
all the animals of the earth have to eat the diet that's made for them. If not, they get sick. Humans are no different. Okay. I always find it mind boggling that people put far more interest and research into the food that they feed their dogs than they do to the stuff they put in their own bodies. Okay. We have to eat the food that aligns with our biology and processed foods are not that. Now, as far as potatoes and rice and corn and watermelon and apples and all of those go, yes, the earth makes them for us. And likely once you normalize your cell, like your cellular function, you can come back to eating those things and they aren't going to make you sick. They aren't going to add to the problem. But while you're healing your cells up, you have to avoid those things sometimes. Okay. One question that I get frequently is about intermittent fasting and how that works because it's more of a strategy of how to eat, not a diet. And so I think intermittent fasting is an incredibly powerful tool, one that I still uh, I use. I use the tool of intermittent fasting every day. I fast most days for at least 12 hours, but like that's rare that I only fast for 12 hours. Usually I'm fasting for 16 to 18 or 20 hours, somewhere in that range is what I do. And that's just comfortably where I live my life. And I like eating that way, so it's not an issue. But intermittent fasting is a strategy more than a diet. Certainly, all of the things I just talked about, avoiding highly refined and highly processed foods, still have to happen with intermittent fasting. You cannot do a carbage fast, okay? And a carbage fast is where you fast for 20 hours, and then for four hours a day, you eat a bunch of carby garbage BS. You can't do that. That is not going to reverse your type 2 diabetes, okay? The surge that you get of insulin with the carbage is going to be such that you will likely stimulate those cells to be overwhelmed by insulin and still be insulin resistant. Okay. So be aware that a lot of times our brain wants to go to confusion to, I don't know what to do because if I don't know what to do, then I don't have to do anything. And again, our brain just wants to keep us safe and happy and content. Well, right now, safe and happy and content is type two diabetes for most for women that are listening to this podcast. Okay. Safe and happy and content. What you know and what you're familiar with is the things that you are doing that are making you sick. So when your brain is offering you to keep doing the same thing or making a case, <laughs> making a very clever and compelling argument about why you should continue to do the same thing, understand that the same thing that you're doing is going to keep you sick. Okay. So you're going to have to question that part of our brain that wants to keep us in the same place that we are. Okay. Is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really what I need to be doing? Your brain is going to offer confusion as a way to do this. And I want to offer to you to refuse confusion. Solid. No, thank you. I am going to try this thing and I'm going to do it for two weeks and I'm going to be consistent with it. And I'm going to see what happens to my blood sugars. And if my blood sugars drop, then this thing works. If they don't drop, then I need to do something else. It's that simple. Okay. Now, if you're struggling with consistency, like I can't seem to get those two weeks done to know whether it helps. Awesome. That's where I help with coaching. If you're struggling with the worry, concern, and anxiety associated with checking your blood sugar, because if you see another high number, it just makes you feel so awful that then you want to go and bury yourself in a Pina Hagen Doss, that is also where coaching comes in. 
those are the things that coaching will help you with. Telling you what to eat and what not to eat. Don't eat junk food. I just told you. I just did it. I just told you the things. If you're struggling to not do that thing, that's where coaching comes in. Send me a message to Lane at Delane MD and we'll get you set up for a reversal assessment call and we can see where you're at and what's happening. You can see what help there is for you if you're interested. You can also find um, on my link tree on Instagram, you can find any way to get a hold of me there. You can sign up yourself for a reversal assessment call. You can just get to my calendar and sign it up. Okay. So um, if that's where you're at, you need coaching. If you already know I need to cut this junk out of my life, I know that that's the issue. I can't do it consistently or I can't seem to do it long enough or I'm still wallowing in confusion. That's where coaching can help. Reach out to me. I'm happy to help you out. I posted uh, on Facebook the other day or I don't know, Facebook. Inst I think I've posted to Instagram and it fed to Facebook, but there is help out there for this. The medical community, the Western medical community, the American healthcare quote unquote healthcare system will tell you meds are the only way and they are absolutely not the only way. And in fact, many times meds will actually just make the insulin resistance worse. Okay. There is a way to stop eating this food that is making you sick and that's where coaching comes in and helps. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me. If not, I will be back next week. Talk to you then. Bye-bye.